Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be recapping our recent trip down to Walt Disney World and all of the new stuff that the 50th anniversary has to offer. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff. And then as we'll kind of talk about, also a lot of not new stuff. Yeah, a lot of absence of new stuff. I will agree with that. Yeah. I think this will be an interesting trip recap because it was not what I was expecting. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting, to be honest. Let's jump into the Disney news for the week. So Disney Genie and Genie Plus launched down at Walt Disney World this past Tuesday. It happened to be a couple days after we returned, so we did not get to see Disney Genie firsthand. Um, But this is the new paid FastPass service. It's called Lightning Lanes now. Disney Genie is free. It will give you recommendations. It will show you wait times. It's actually a pretty nice interface in terms of seeing wait times for attractions, seeing what restaurants have availability, doing mobile orders, things like that, helping plan your day. That's actually a pretty nice feature, and that's free. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like the restaurant availability would be the best feature. I think probably the most useful because you you can use other apps to you know, find out wait times and things like that. But the restaurant thing, you know, if you want, you don't have reservations and some of the places do have walk-ups. So it is nice to know that like La Cellier has walk-ups that only a 10 minute wait. So I I thought that part was really cool. Yeah. It lists that walk-up times, mobile order times. uh, If you want to get a reservation, all that's listed on there. And then again, for $15 a day, you can get essentially what are the replacements for fast passes. And then there's also a la carte options. It was interesting to see the first few days Rise of the Resistance sold out. Um, that's an a la carte pay per ride. It's $15 per ride uh, on the Disney Genie app. That sold out for the first couple of days. You know, this weekend, the prices have already gone up. So you can see that Disney is fluctuating pricing based on demand and crowd levels. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how this plays out over the next you know, few weeks and months as people really start using the Disney Genie, Disney Genie Plus uh, service. And then over at Disneyland Paris, they announced that parades are coming back. So they're going to be getting a Christmas parade. So Mickey's Dazzling Christmas Parade um, will be debuting in mid-November. I think this is interesting because it seems like Paris has kind of been the first to get things that have come to the U.S. park. So they actually got the paid fast pass service first, a few months even before it was announced over here in America. They seem to be reopening and doing things first over there and then here. So I think it's interesting that they're getting a parade uh, in November. So I think maybe that bodes well for parades coming back to the U.S. parks. I believe for the Christmas party at Walt Disney World, they did mention a parade there, but still nothing in terms of just uh, during the day at the parks. But maybe this is a sign that kind of full parades are coming back and kind of going to be replacing those cavalcades that we currently have. Oh, that, that's really cool. I, I wonder almost if they're using Paris because it's not as big of a park as like a rough draft, you know, seeing how it goes there. And then they can make some tweaks and put it in some of the bigger, uh, more popular parks if it works out well. Yeah, it's, okay. it seems to be that's kind of what they're doing. So that's what, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if if they announce kind of full parades. Uh, back in the U.S. park soon. And then also around uh, Walt Disney World, some of the holiday offerings are coming back. So the return of the Merry Menagerie uh, is returning to Animal Kingdom. So that is the very popular 
animals that are walking around. It's uh, the cast members kind of controlling uh, animals. They're, they're puppets, essentially. Um, we saw them two years ago, whenever right. they first had them as part of the, the holiday offerings there. So they're going to be returning this year. Um, so that's exciting because I know those those were great. They were a fan favorite. We loved them. Um, so excited to see those back in the parks. They were like a really beautiful Christmas take on the costumes for The Lion King. They kind of reminded me of that a little bit, where it's a, you know, a human puppeteer who is also kind of sometimes incorporated in the costume and uh, of a really cool puppet. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And then also the Candlelight Processional will be returning to Epcot, and we are having celebrity narrators again this year. I believe Pat Sajak is going to be there a couple nights, <laughs> um, amongst other people. So if you want to check out that list, head over to the Disney Parks uh, blog website, uh, and they list all the celebrity narrators over there. But yeah, so just more offerings returning to the parks, which I think are needed, and we'll kind of get into that um, as part of our, our recap here coming up. Um, but I think definitely any, anything more they can do to add to the parks, I think is going to be uh, beneficial. And before we get to the recap, I do want to give a shout out to Avi underscore George over on Instagram. And after hearing our episode last week, they reached out. I want to thank them for letting us know that a Machiavelli plush is available and currently being sold. Um, so I now have Angela's Christmas present covered for this year. So thank you. Yeah, you know I am going to be very disappointed if that is not part of my Christmas present. I, just, just, just an FYI. All right, I got a couple months. You do. You have some time, but make sure they don't sell out. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's jump into our recap. So for uh, our recap here, we we were there for three days. Um, so kind of just giving like a quick overview. We actually flew in uh, Thursday night. We did a split stay. It was a one night at the All Star uh, Movies I, Resort. I, that uh, and was the rest actually of it was at Pop Century. That was actually very enlightening. That little split stay, though. It was, and, and we'll get into that in a second, um, but we were there, but so we did three days in the parks, uh, Friday through Sunday, um, just kind of a, a long weekend stay. I think really what we want to cover here is the new merch, the new food, the new shows, everything that's kind of new for the 50th or new at the parks recently. Um, you know, don't necessarily need to get into all the details of, well, we rode Space Mountain this time, or we didn't ride Big Thunder Mountain this time, because... Again, I don't know that everybody wants to hear those minor details. If you do, we want to have a full TED Talk on it. Let us know. <laughs> we can do that. But but kind of really want to touch on yeah, specifically what it's like there now around the 50th, what's new, our kind of thoughts on that, and whether, honestly, it's worth it to go down there now for the 50th anniversary. So quick overview thoughts here in terms of the 50th. I think the biggest thing is... A lot of the restrictions and the social distancing is gone. You still have to wear masks indoors and on all the transportation. But basically, all of the distancing in the queues and on the attractions is gone. They're filling up every row now. Um, and I think that's just due to the crowd levels. I mean, it's far more crowded than it has been the past year. If you're a person who's not comfortable being close to other people, this is not the time to go to Disney at all because when we were waiting for uh, Enchantment, we were able to kind of get up really close to the castle and people were all squished in there. And I know I even heard a few people make comments about, you know, so social distancing is gone and you don't have to wear your masks there. So, you know, there's definitely some inconsistencies. Outside about you that. have to wear your mask. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's really, it's really kind of gone back to pre-pandemic and it did feel much more like pre-pandemic Disney this trip. So we've gone a few times uh, over the past year when capacity was reduced, 
The crowds were a lot lower, but there also wasn't fireworks. There wasn't nighttime entertainment. There wasn't really a lot of in-park entertainment or characters. Capacity does seem to be increased. But also with that, there is a lot more entertainment back in the parks. I, I will add that, that, you know, some of that kind of missing magic and almost electricity in the parks is back. So, you know, in Epcot, especially, they have the entertainment now in the different countries. Sergio the Juggler was there in Italy. The Japanese drummers were there in Japan. So All women, by the way. Yes, that was a really was good really, show. really notable, yeah. um, really cool. And I think that the people were really happy to see them. I, I think that the crowd was pretty electrified by it. And that was the other thing I was going to add is, even though it's very crowded, it seemed to be a lot of like diehard Disney fans because like you said, people were very excited to see the drummers back in Japan on a lot of the attractions. People were either singing along at the Tiki room. Everybody was singing in the Tiki Mm -hmm. room at the end of flight of passage. People were clapping. Like it really seemed to be the people that were there. They knew it was the 50th. They wanted to be there. Like it was a concerted effort on their part to be there. And they were very happy. So it definitely, while it was more crowded, it had a different feel to it um, but yeah so if you're if you're somebody that kind of liked those days where there were crowds there's a lot of entertainment it's it's basically back to that now if you're somebody that liked the lower crowds maybe prefer more social distancing i definitely would wait because yeah it the, the wait times you know are getting up there and again with disney genie how that's going to play into it i'm I'm not sure for me the problem wasn't the wake times for me the problem was the thickness of people you know when we were walking around epcot it's really interesting because there's usually a bottleneck around mexico and then the crowd thins out i felt like as we were walking around the lake the crowd never really thinned out it was pretty solid with people the entire way and you had to kind of go far into you know, the corners to get away from people, which I didn't like personally. But we were there on a Saturday. Yeah, and I think that really goes back to that we've never fully experienced a true food and wine day. So right. when we went to food and wine a couple of years ago, again, it was at a reduced capacity. So it wasn't very crowded then. Whereas, yeah, this was a weekend. Basically, the capacity of Epcot is enough that it could fill everybody that wants to go there for the day. So it was very crowded. I think that was the most crowded we'd ever seen Epcot. Yes, um, ever. Just just walking through it. And so, yeah, it, it, it makes it difficult to get on a lot of attractions. You know, we, we waited definitely, I think, at least a half an hour for everything, pretty much. Right. Um, I think there's only a few things that we didn't wait that long for. I mean, like Living with the Land was still pretty much a walk-on. I think Spaceship Earth was maybe only 15 minutes. But a lot of stuff was a half an hour, even up to an hour plus. Right. I mean, there were people in line for living with the land. We probably we didn't quite walk on, but we were probably in line for like five to 10 minutes, which is a lot for for that ride. And we didn't end up riding Frozen Ever after just because at that point, I think after we had been there for 70 minutes or so. Well, Yeah. And after we'd been there a while, we were ready to go after we ate and I ran out of room in my stomach and we actually decided to go back to the room and so we were like, oh, well, we'll just ride the Skyliner and that'll be a fun little ride that we can do. And so we could get away from the crowds. Yeah. And again, we we went down there with a very specific goal in mind of doing all of the new stuff that right. they had to offer for the 50th. So we weren't necessarily as concerned with the attractions we had already ridden before. Right. But yeah, I mean, if you're somebody that hasn't been there in a while and you want to ride a lot of this stuff, it's going to be hard to get through it. I will say, I really think the key... And, and this is becoming even more important is that 
half an hour early that you get into the parks if you're staying on property. That extra half an hour in the morning is really clutch. It's interesting how they're doing it because they basically let everybody into the parks, whether you're staying at the resort or not. And then they have cast members that scan your magic band to let you into the various lands or areas early. But you can get a lot done in that half hour before it opens to the general public. I mean, for Magic Kingdom, um, just as an example, we got there maybe about 20 minutes early, but we rode Winnie the Pooh, It's a Small World, Jungle Cruise, Pirates, uh, and Splash Mountain all before 10.50. So within you know a couple hours of being there, you know the park had only actually been open an hour and a half, but you got a lot in. But after that, we didn't ride as much because crowds were high. And then like on Animal Kingdom... We did not get there early, and we got there kind of right when the park opened to the general public. And at that point, we went to Flight of Passage first, but Which it was, was a mistake. Yeah, yeah, but it was like an hour and fifteen minutes. So you you really need to get that half an hour early because you can get ten to fifteen minute wait times then. But then once the park opens, the wait times do spike pretty significantly. And I think that you know you have to strategically plan out what you go to. You know, you want to go to a mid level, I feel like attraction where or or a high level attraction if you're early because you know Pooh's Honey Hunt you mentioned is one of the ones we went to I don't feel like the line for that's ever really high so we probably could have cut that one and come back to it later and ridden one of the other rides that is a little bit more gets a little bit more crowded yeah but I will say I mean we walked on that right away we walked on it's a small world right away and that was before the park opened to the general public I mean those were both walk-ons Jungle Cruise we got to it was maybe 20 minutes to a half an hour later in the day it was 70 minutes it was an hour right. the rest of the day so they, they definitely you know jump up but you, you do have to be strategic but I definitely would recommend if you're going and you're not a morning person try to be try to get up and get there early and get right there at the half hour early because you're going to be able to ride probably three or four attractions in that 30 minutes that is going to save you a lot of time later in the day that if you started when the park opened you may only get one of those I want to jump back real quick because we kind of mentioned about a split stay. So before we get into more specifics on the theme parks, talking about the split stay really quick. So we did uh, one night at the All-Star Movies Resort because Pop Century was not available Thursday night, but we wanted to fly down Thursday night so we could be up early and take advantage of that early morning magic at the Magic Kingdom on Friday. Um, so we did, we did one night at All-Star Movies. We stayed at the Toy Story rooms. They are the renovated rooms. They're really nice. We found out when we went to Pop Century, they're the exact, the exact sa- same, same room. room. Yeah. We had the exact same room except for it was flipped. So it was on the, yeah, the bed was on the opposite side and the toilet was on the opposite side. Right. But it was literally the same room yeah. with different and artwork. Th- and those rooms are nicer than the Little Mermaid rooms at Art of Animation. The, the Little Mermaid oh, yeah. rooms definitely need some updating, especially compared to the Pop Century rooms and the Toy Story rooms over at All Star Movies. So I would say if you're kind of between those resorts. All-Star Movies isn't isn't that bad because, again, it's the exact same no. room. And, you know, one of the knocks with the All-Star Resorts is it can be a little bit difficult with the bus situation there because you have three resorts. Right now, only two of the resorts are open, so it made it a little bit easier uh, on the buses and the transportation. Now, whenever all three are open, maybe that becomes a little bit of an issue. But, again, they're a nice room, and if they're, you know, $50 $60 less a night than Pop Century. You're getting the exact same room. So. Well, right. And then also at Pop Century, our room was so far away from everything. Like we were so, f- we were far- pretty far away from the buses. We were pretty far away from the main building where the, the you know, the cafeteria is. 
and um, also pretty far from the Skyliner. So I felt like almost we had a better experience. Yeah, we did. But but again, I, I you know depending on what you're looking for, I felt like we actually did have a better experience at, at movies. Now, again, we were only there for one night, so things could have fallen apart after that. But yeah, it was, I, you know, I always kind of turn my nose up at them a little bit because the, my last time I was there, it was, it was kind of low end, but yeah, they've really improved. Yeah. And I will say, you know, when you're staying at these resorts like Pop Century and things, you can request rooms close to transportation close to the main lobby so you know definitely do that if you're somebody that doesn't want to have to walk you know very far i mean we didn't necessarily say that whenever we were playing for our room and we did we got the furthest building we we're in the 90s it was like the furthest from everything but it was <laughs> Easy fine to get lost yeah we didn't mind walking but no. yeah, if you're somebody that like doesn't want to walk a ton you can definitely request that and somebody who wants to fit in more like we didn't care you know we weren't like trying to run to the parks every day we weren't freaking out that we were going to be late um we were just kind of like oh we get done when we get done we have certain things like joe mentioned on our list to do can i real quick though mention my one of my favorite parts of the trip which um, had nothing to do with the actual parks. I decided that over the weekend, I didn't want to not run or do anything at all. So I decided to go on a run. I went around. You made your own run Disney race. I did. So I decided to go around Hourglass Lake. That was such a lovely run. I got up around probably like, I think it was seven o'clock and I was out the door by probably 720, 730. And I, as I was running around, it was really cool. There were a lot of other runners. I got to see the sunrise over Hourglass Lake. I got some really pretty reflections off of the water. I was looking around and reading all the little signs that are along the way. So that made for a delightful run because I really wasn't thinking too much about the running. I was thinking about, oh, look at all these little facts. And I was reading them and there's probably one every... 20 30 seconds when you're running so it was really fun and then i when it popped over to art of animation and checked out scar and simba and the lion king uh suite area and then went back over but it was a lot of fun it's 1.5 miles around so i did it twice just so i could get three miles in and while you're doing that i was crushing it getting uh, virtual boarding groups to Remy. Yes, you are. I'm undefeated at getting the virtual boarding groups. <laughs> Seven o'clock, I crushed it. I got virtual boarding groups. I think we had group like 11. Yeah, we I were think, I think way we were early. early. Which was good because later on, that line was long. It was. We'll get to that though. I want to touch on one more thing here with the All-Star Movies rooms. And that is, you know, it's nice that they are just like Pop Century, but also this is the knock mm-hmm. that's coming to Disney is that the rooms aren't special anymore, and this is 100% true. You walk into the, the rooms at All-Star Movies, there is nothing in there that tells you it's Toy Story. The pictures on the wall are actually of, I think it was of Mickey or Donald. Had, it was it was of the it, original characters. It was the new cartoon adaptations of Mickey, Donald, and Goofy maybe? I don't remember exactly who it was. You're right. So they have Mickey and Goofy in there. There's nothing Toy Story oh. about the rooms. The kind of courtyard is Toy Story, but there's nothing... You know, Toy Story bathrooms. And again, with Pop Century, there's nothing special about that theming either. So, again, this is kind of the knock that, you know, as Disney updates their rooms, they're just going more and more generic with them. And again, this is a perfect example. It's 100% true. It's nice that you can get a good quality room wherever you stay. But if you're somebody that is like, oh, I need to stay at, you know, the Toy Story rooms because my kid loves Toy Story you're not going to get anything special in that room that makes it Toy Story. So that's just kind of one thing to keep in mind that it is true. These rooms are kind of becoming somewhat generic, at least at that kind of value level. Right. 
All right, so we'll kind of go out of order. We did Magic Kingdom first, but we're talking about Remy. So we'll go to Epcot. We'll talk, we'll talk Remy first here. So we were able to get early boarding group. So our boarding group was called as soon as the park opened uh, for Remy. We were able to get in. And like you said, it was nice because later in the day, the queue was completely full, even with the virtual boarding right. groups. We walked in. We walked right through the queue and walked right on the ride. And we maybe waited like yeah. two minutes. Ten minutes, minutes maybe. I don't yeah. think it, ten it minutes was, to walk through everything and get on the ride. We well, didn't wait at yeah, all. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we could have – The only my only frustration was I kind of wish there was a little bit of a line because Gusto, there's a room where there's Gusto and he, he is on a screen, so he – um, he comes it's to like life and talks yeah, to you. And he comes to life. And we just had to walk right through that part. We didn't get a chance to really see too much. There were people behind us or else I would have stopped. stopped. We could have stopped yeah. and let them pass. Yeah, we should have I, I think you get... I it's do. weird. You get a little self-conscious well, of like, like, I don't want to let the line right, stop, but right. just let them through. Well, it's that. And it's also that, you know, that part of me that has like the the race mentality. Like I can't, gotta I get can't on the ride. Yeah, get I, done. I, yeah. I can't get... And that was the day you ran. So you were in that, you were in that mode. Exactly. All right. So, so Remy overall and... Don't necessarily need to get into a ton of spoilers on this attraction because it's new. A lot of people probably haven't ridden it yet. I don't want to necessarily like ruin the ride, but essentially the ride is you are a mouse and you're going through basically the story of Ratatouille. Yep. I will say it's an okay ride. I was kind of underwhelmed by it. My kind of rating for it would maybe be like a C, C plus. I definitely don't think as a trackless ride, it is better than Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's definitely not better than Rise of the Resistance. I honestly found it difficult to understand the story. Part of it is in English. Part of it's in French. That really wasn't the issue. But very, it did seem weird. Yeah. It moves slowly at a lot of times, but then at other times it moves very quickly. And so it, it's it's hard to tell what's going on. I honestly think if you have not seen Ratatouille and you don't know the story, you're going to be lost. I said that to you. I said the only reason I understood it is because I had seen the movie and I knew what was going on. Otherwise, I don't think I would have followed what was happening that well, which I don't think is good for an attraction that you have to already know what's going to happen before you can really understand it. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was particularly clear that Luigi was working together with Remy. So I thought that that was a little difficult to understand, but I don't necessarily think it was too it wasn't very difficult. I mean, there's not too much about it. That's like, okay, there's a rat in the kitchen and the rat can't be in the kitchen. He runs away. And then, yeah, like, so I, I didn't necessarily agree with you on that, but my knock against the ride is that, you know, kind of like universal does, there was too much use of screen. Uh, I thought that, you know, the rooms where they used props to really emphasize the scale, those were so enjoyable to be in, but there weren't, and there wasn't enough of that. They could have used that, utilized that more, and spent a little bit more money and made it better. Yeah, the the props and the sense of scale was definitely the best part of the attraction. I mean, there, there's you know one scene where you're under a cart, and if you look to your left or your right, there's giant wheels, and they're spinning as you're moving. Like, so there's a screen in front of you, but as you're supposed to be moving, they're spinning. And then when you stop, they stop and they go in reverse. So that level of detail was really good. And just the, the scale and scope of it all. Um, but you're right. It's, it's a lot of screens. This is a, essentially an exact copy of the one in Paris. So it's, it's not like they, you know, updated it or anything in any way. They basically took what they did in Paris here. You know, I think with, Everybody loving the one in Paris, I think I was expecting more. But I think the issue is 
that was an attraction that came out five plus years ago. Right. And we have a lot better technology now. And so it's a little bit of a letdown whenever you ride it. Right. Yeah. It was nothing like Pooh's Honey Hunt or like you said, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail. Uh, it just, it didn't. And this is Pooh's Honey Hunt in Tokyo. Disneyland. Yes. Yeah. You know, you have to kind of put it up there with those kind of rides because that is what you can most compare it to. And it just doesn't, it falls, it definitely falls short of those, but I still thought it was really enjoyable. I thought it was worth getting on. I look forward to riding it again uh, because I think you, you're going to, I'm going to notice more of the details. Like I think you pointed something out to me after and I'm like, I didn't see that at all. Cause I was busy reading the, there were, um, you were not like a pantry. I don't think this is much of a, a spoiler, but I've yeah, been Disney has shown pictures. Right. Of this. Yeah. But because we, we have a plan to go to Paris. So I've been doing Duolingo and I've been doing French on there. So I was trying to read all the food signs and see what, you know, different foods are called in, in French or read them if I know that word already. So I missed some things that you pointed out to me. But yeah, overall, I thought it was really enjoyable, but it could have been better. Yeah, I agree. I, I would definitely ride it again, but I'll say something that may be controversial. I don't think it's an attraction that you have to run out and go ride right away. And I definitely don't think it's one that's worth paying for. So since we're in France, we're just going to hop right on over to the creperie. I don't know if that's right. I just like to say it that way. The creperie. And, you know, that was something that when we heard about it, we were like, oh, let's let's go over there. Let's let's check it out. We waited in line for quite a while. I feel like we were in there for probably 20 minutes. Now, you could we could have eaten inside. And yeah, so they have a they have an indoor version, right. sit down restaurant. And then they have basically a quick serve window on that you can stand with so, a limited menu. It doesn't have as much as what the sit down. Right. Place. So we, we, we went to the quick service. I do think, yeah, we kind of got caught with everybody coming over because the park had opened, either riding Remy or just getting off Remy, that the line was a little bit long. I, I was going to say, we were there early in the day, but I don't think that line really seemed to go down no, much all no, day. It was no. pretty It was pretty long. Or They we, were delicious. Yeah. So Joe um, always kind of maintains that, no, I like a pancake a certain way. And I ordered the butter and brown sugar crepes. So whenever I cut into it, you know, this nice, beautiful golden liquid dripped out of it. Just like, oh, what is, what is that coming right out of, out of the crepe? I knew it was butter. <laughs> but it was really funny the way he said it. And he tried it and we immediately were like, definitely needed to share. That was probably the best thing we had at Epcot that day. I would probably agree. And that's not a food and wine offering. So it's going to be there all the time. There was one other thing that I was really impressed by, which I'll get into in a little bit. But yeah, I thought that it was really awesome. I would love to go back. They have like a banana crepe at the sit down place. And I'd love to try that the next time we're there. Yeah. So on top of that, it, it was food and wine. Um, so actually tried a lot of different offerings here, <laughs> kind of went around and tried a bunch of different stuff. So Angela, you kind of want to run through what you had, uh, kind of your quick takes on them all. Right. Sure. So I always talk a big game about going and trying all the different food booths. And this time you told me, wow, you talk, you didn't just talk a big game. You actually ate a lot of food. Yeah, so yeah, we went around a lot. lot yeah, of stuff. we did. So over in France, I got the strawberry rose mimosa. I don't usually drink much whenever we're in Disney, but I decided to you know try some of these bevos and I thought it was good. I definitely got a heavy pour. I didn't get very much of the strawberry rose uh, slushy that they put in, but I thought it was good. I don't know if I would wait for a really long time for it, but I liked it. And then we went over to, and I don't know how to say this word, tangerine 
cafe over in Morocco. Yeah, over in Morocco. Uh, call yeah, it's the flavors of Medina, and we got the pistachio cake. This was really funny. So we were taking pictures of everything. No, we weren't taking pictures. <laughs> you made me take pictures. I feel like an idiot. I was one of those people that I was trying to get a picture for the gram and i wanted to make it look good and i ended up dropping it five second rule though joe came back and he he looked like like his I pup, felt so stupid his puppy just got run over yeah, like I he felt was so, stupid. so he was so upset and he's like i dropped this on the ground i was like nah and he's, but then i looked at him and i'm like oh yeah it kind of looks like a little messed up it was upside down and the top was off yeah but, so basically the the nice part of it is there's like a cream on top and that's basically what hit the ground. So when he picked it up, you could kind of just like wipe that cream off. And you still got the pistachio and the filling in the middle. It was like kind of dry, though. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you know, to, not to steal from, uh, you know, Paul Hollywood and, and Prue, but the sponge was dry. Uh, I, I wasn't impressed. I thought the pistachio flavor was really weak. I didn't really, I, and I'm a huge cinnamon person. I put cinnamon on everything. I didn't think the cinnamon and the pistachio particularly paired together well, and there wasn't enough icing on it. So it just... It fell really flat. That's definitely something that you could pass on. The next thing we got was the wild mushroom truffle tart, which was at the American Adventure Pavilion. So this was actually interesting because this is something relatively new where inside the American Adventure Pavilion, inside the rotunda, they put a food booth in there now because I feel like they thought <laughs> nobody goes in here because they don't know there's an attraction in here. So let's put a food booth and they have tables in there now. So you can go in, uh, get some food uh, and eat. So it, it's a nice little addition in there and hopefully gets more people kind of back there into the attraction. Right. And I, I think this was probably my favorite food and wine thing that I ate. Uh, it was a, a good pastry. It wasn't super fr- flaky. It had a really nice, strong mushroom taste. It kind of tasted, a, it reminded me a little bit of the jackfruit pot pie that I got uh, in the same America area was better but i thought this was really tasty and again it's a really good vegetarian option so i I enjoyed it and then the last food and wine specific food and wine offering that i got was the tofu pho or pho i don't know how to say that from the noodle exchange which i hated it tasted like drinking ocean water uh i ate the tofu and the mushrooms and some of the the noodles because i hate throwing food away but I threw away most of the broth. The spice choked me and choked some other woman, um, which I thought the spice was good, but it was just so overwhelmingly salty that it was not good at all. I would definitely pass on that. Yeah. Then on top of that, we also tried the new, uh, this is for the 50th. This is a new food for the 50th, the iridescent croissant donut. So they have that over at the Epcot experience over in Epcot. I thought that was pretty good. I mean, it, it was a little tough i think but once you kind of like got to the donut and the sweetness part it actually was really good yeah i agree and you know i i'm i'm a big fan of donuts but i'm also really picky like i don't really like dunkin donuts very much because i think they're too heavy this one you know when i bit into it, i thought this is dry it's not going to be very good but it the icing added a really nice sweetness to it i thought it was great i would definitely order that again because it's not like anything else that i could get and i thought the flavor was good yeah, I also got a Mickey bar and the new 50th anniversary <laughs> wrapper. Tastes a lot better with that new wrapper, I got to say. It's great. I also tried, not at Epcot, over at Animal Kingdom, though, um, one of the new hand-dipped ones. And It's like a blue raspberry yeah, flavor and, or something. And it's interesting because I was looking for them throughout the parks, and they don't sell them where they sell Mickey bars, and I was wondering why. And then I found out when I got it at Animal Kingdom because they actually they don't come like that. They take them out of the wrapper, and they actually hand-dip it and put sprinkles on it right there as you buy it. So it's not like it's a separate 
type of Mickey bar. They just take a Mickey bar and dip it. I didn't really care for like the, the blue raspberry chocolate that was on top. Um, I kind of prefer just a regular Mickey bar. And I don't think a lot of people have tried these. I, I put it out there on our Instagram, a poll asking if anybody's tried it. Everybody said no. There wasn't a single person to answer the poll if they've actually had one of these. They're hard to find. Yeah, I was going to say, we got it over by Kite Tails. There was a, there's a... We got it over by Yak and Yeti. There's a food stand there. They sell uh, frozen lemonade and drinks, but it's an actual building. Like, it's, it's brick it's, and mortar. Yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a cart or anything, so that they have the ability to dip them there. But I didn't think it was that great. I think you just stick with the regular Mickey bar. I think that if you're a person who in- really likes like a chocolate raspberry or something, I think it's something to try. But I agree with you. I think I would prefer a regular Mickey, Mickey bar over that one. Back over to Epcot. So this was something new um, we were looking forward to. We were hoping we'd get to try. We were excited to be able to try it. We went to space. We dined in space. It was amazing. <laughs> we went to Space 220. So we did not have reservations for Space 220. Reservations are very difficult to get. But I will say, do not let that discourage you. They, uh-uh. they don't have a walk-up list. You can't join a walk-up list. You basically have to go wait in a physical line over by Space 220. And so where this is, it's kind of tricky to find but it's it's if you go to mission space to the right of mission space along the wall there's a little sign that says space 220 and you'll see a queue you may see some people lined up there that's where you want to stand yeah so and so, every per- new person who joined the line including us were were like it was is this the line or is this for people who have reservations it is for people waiting as like a standby, as a standby right. for, for the lounge or the bar area if you have reservations you can just walk past that line and just right. kind of go around the corner but if you don't have reservations, you wait there. I was surprised. We went there around like 12, 30, 1 o'clock. So it was around lunchtime. We only waited about 30 to 40 minutes to get in. It actually went by pretty quickly. It was I was, really I was surprised reasonable. by it. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for a new place, I, I think that really the, the knock against it is it's pretty hidden. So I think people maybe don't know where it is. And then also we had a ton of people out there with food and wine. So they weren't, I think we had a lot of locals because we it was Saturday. It seemed like a lot of people were just coming to try the foods and, and drink. So I think that maybe some of those people had already tried Space 220 maybe, or they didn't know where it was. Or a lot a lot of people are thinking that if I don't have a reservation, you can't get and it. again, you don't see there's a walk-up list, you don't know that you can just go wait in line. You get seated in the lounge area, which are actual tables. I mean, it's nice, not like you're sitting at a bar or anything. I will say, I mean, it's it's pretty awesome just being in there. Right. And and one thing I want to mention about the lounge, I almost think I would probably prefer sitting in the lounge because it seemed like maybe, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I kind of thought that the people that were down closer to the big screens, those were the ones with reservations. But if you're really close to those screens, you don't get the same effect. If you're further away, you can see all of the screens. But if you're close, some of the people are like way in the corner and they're in front of like the black space part so i would be really mad if i made a reservation there and that's where i sat yeah i would be like don't put baby in a corner that'd be my response (laughs) but no i i agree if i I think if you're at a table right in the center down by the screens i think that's a good spot but you're right if you're all the way on the end right by the screen you basically just have a black screen and you really don't get to see much of the earth there are some tables um down below that aren't up against the screens i think would be good views but you're right the lounge area is a great place to sit um 
As long as you don't get seated at the bar, because the bar faces away from the screens. I thought it was great being there. I mean, I think it's really well themed. I think it's really well done, the whole elevator ride and everything. The other thing to note is they have a prefixed menu, but if you sit at the lounge area, you can get a la carte. So you don't don't think you have to spend $55, $75 a person. So I got the short rib sliders with fries, which were really good. Angela, you got the planetary punch. You just had a drink. Yeah, because I'd eaten so much outside. At that point, I didn't want any food. The drink, I would not reorder. I thought it was pretty alcoholic on the front half and then very coconutty on the back half. It's good presentation. A lot of ice. It, good, yeah, it was really beautiful. It was beautiful to look at. We had chocolate cheesecake for dessert. And really, the most exciting thing about that chocolate cheesecake was the fact that I got to use the silverware for it because the silver that's space. what you love the most and and the waitress even commented you know how everyone kind of seems to really enjoy the the silverware and they want to purchase it so I, I think that honestly i wasn't very impressed to, i didn't think enough happened out in space for me to think it's really worth it like looking on the screens so my favorite part of the whole experience was the wait staff i thought that our waitress was excellent her name was brianna and then we also the people who took us in the elevators up and down were awesome the guy that when we were on the way down joe and i were the only ones in the elevator and i was kind of running in circles and he was just cracking up and we were having a great time so i thought that those people really seemed to have the extra magic about them they seemed to really be enjoying working there yeah they really played their roles very well in terms of you're in space you know, they asked us, is this your first time in space? And we said, yes. And they're like, oh, it seems to be a lot of people's first time in space. Like, I wonder wonder what's going on. Why, you know, there's so many new people mm-hmm. in space here and stuff. Like, they did a great job. You know, to kind of jump back to the food really quick. Like I said, the short rib sliders. You got you got two sliders and fries. I thought it was, you know, really well done. Our waitress said that it's a, you know, pretty popular menu item. So I thought that was good. I thought the chocolate cheesecake was the best thing, though. So it's a, it's a chocolate mousse. Um, with like dark chocolate on top and a chocolate ganache. I thought that was was really good. They seem to have a, a lot of you know good menu items from the a la carte option. So um, but I think overall I was impressed by just how well done it was. Like you mentioned the screens, they have a they have depth to them. It doesn't look like it's just a TV screen in a window. I mean it actually looks like there is a window and then there's something out there, and you, you kind of have that depth. Um, so I was actually pretty impressed by that. And these are similar screens to what they're going to be using at the Star Wars Hotel. Um, so I think that's good because they, they do have a, a really good effect. So I liked it. To your point, is it something I need to do every time I go? No, but I think it's worthwhile at least going to once, mm-hmm. especially if you know it's a half-hour wait, and you can just go get a couple drinks, maybe an appetizer, and spend 30 or $40 as opposed to going and spending – you know, 150 on the prefix menu for dinner for two people. And I think it was like 30 bucks for us, which isn't that bad. No. You know, when you figure if you go at like a lunchtime, it's $55 a person if you get the prefix menu. So yeah, I, I agree, though. I think I enjoyed going, but I don't I don't know if I ever really need to go back. All right. And then moving on to nighttime. So at night, Spaceship Earth lights up. The new lighting package on Spaceship Earth, I think, is incredible. I think that looks wow. really great. Out of the icons that we saw, so we didn't get to see Hollywood Studios, um, but that looks much better than the castle kind of icon lit up at night. So I think Spaceship Earth is definitely the one to see. And then we got to see Harmonious. It was working in its full form. You know, on day two, it was in B mode. The center barge wasn't working. <laughs> They're actually working on it during the day. So they must still be having issues with it, but they got it fixed. They got it working. You know, I will say, I think that center barge does really well for Harmonious. I, I really was pleasantly surprised by the water screens and kind of the lights that 
come off of it. I think that looked good. And just to kind of take a step back really quick, we had a, a straight shot looking at it. So yeah. we were um, right to if you, right when you're coming in, going into World Showcase at the Port of Entry merch shop, we were right to the left of that. Mm-hmm. They had nice seeing there. And, and you have to be kind of straight on because if you're on the side, you miss that uh, center ring and that really is basically a lot of the show yeah it was really nice because before you know we were there i'd probably say half an hour 45 minutes early to make sure that we got a good seat and it was really nice because whenever i walked over and found that spot everyone was seated so we got to just kind of relax for you know that half an hour 45 minutes and then the Disney cast came around and made us stand because they were afraid of people getting trampled right before. But at that point, you know, you got to sit for a while. And I learned as not a super tall person, just position yourself behind somebody with a stroller because then nobody stands where the stroller is. And then I could see really well. And I would agree with Joe. I mean, I was expecting to kind of hate it. I didn't love it, but I thought it was, it was definitely better than I thought it presented on TV. I enjoyed the center screen. I enjoyed the jams. I enjoyed the music. I enjoy. I thought it was cool how they made, you know, a lot of the songs they translated or, you know, had a native singer sing it so that it was in the native language. I thought that was really cool and tied in well to Epcot's theme. I didn't enjoy the animations on it. It looked like they hired a bunch of animators off of Fiverr to do their animations for them they didn't use you know the the classic animations that you're used to seeing they got different renditions and maybe they were renditions of like art from those countries I don't really know but that's not clear if it is and so I thought that they could have done a much better job with that I didn't think it looked really that visually stunning but what was visually stunning was they had a lot of um, mist in the air and then they were projecting lights through that. And I thought that looked really cool. That was actually more, I enjoyed that more than the fireworks from the, the show. I agree with you. I think the best part of it was the fact that they had the native languages in the songs. And I think that's that's the one thing that made it kind of feel like it makes sense to be in Epcot. But I think overall, there's not really a lot about it that feels this has to be an Epcot. There's a lot of songs that are very similar to what they have in Disney Enchantment or what they had at Happily Ever After. I mean, this this show could have very easily been in the Magic Kingdom. It could have very easily been in Hollywood Studios at the uh, Fantasmic stage. I mean, there there wasn't a ton about it that really screamed Epcot. And I think that was probably one of my issues with it. And I also do think while the, the center barge and the center ring was great, those side barges were completely unnecessary. So mm-hmm. I still don't think it's worth the eyesore during the day to have all of those barges there for the show we got at night. And they weren't on. You know, there was no... I, I don't there was know. no fountain. There was just right. a screen that said 50th anniversary. But that that center barge, that's does really well. That kind of produced all of the you know water screens and everything that looked really good now again you have to be staring straight at it to see it you know if you're kind of on the side you don't get it so i could see having that one but i don't think you need the four barges on the side you know overall again i think this is a good show it's okay i actually liked it better than enchantment which we'll get to on a little bit here which I'm kind of surprised by you would think the Magic Kingdom would have the top show. I actually think Harmonious at Epcot was better. But again, I, I, I do think it's it's missing something. It's it's very much just a, hey, we're at Epcot and we're going to have a random string of Disney songs from 
And I get that they're from the different countries represented in Epcot, the you know, characters from those different countries, but it's kind of like, hey, we're going to have a quick sing-along, and then we're going to end it with some kind of vague thing that's, hey, we're all together in this, you know, about unity and kind of about togetherness, but it really doesn't tell a great story. And, and again, I mean, when we get to Enchantment, it's, that's kind of the same knock on it as well, but... I think overall, it's, it is much more impressive, like you said, to see in person. So if you saw it on the live stream and you didn't really care for it, it's definitely worthwhile seeing it in person because it does show much better uh, live than it does just kind of on the internet. Right. Like, I mean, if we're talking about Disney World now and the shows that are there now, I think the best show, once it's back up and running, would be Fantasmic now because at least that one has a coherent story Story. yeah Yeah, the rest of the uh the rest of these don't really have that coherent story and that is really um sorely hurting i think the performances it just it just they they're like you said they're missing something yeah it seems like they said hey let's just throw some disney characters in here like oh but we have coco because that's mexico we have the lion king because that's africa like i mean i get that it's it's related to the countries but again it's just kind of hey, we want to have some Disney characters in here. It feels like to an extent, to some extent there. The last show we saw in Epcot was Epcot Forever. And I know that show was not definitely had problems and it wasn't great. I know they dropped their kites when we were there and everything. But I still felt like that one had more through lines and more of a story behind it than this one did. So I was impressed by the screens. I thought they were cool. I liked some parts of it. But I just think that, again, it could have been better for the 50th. Yeah, definitely. Jumping over to Enchantment, since we're kind of talking entertainment. So that's the new show over at the Magic Kingdom that's replacing Happily Ever After as a (laughs) projection and fireworks show uh, on the castle over there. I definitely think this was a major step back and a major letdown from Happily Ever After. Happily Ever After, I really enjoyed. I thought it was a great show. I don't think they took what made happily ever after good and made it better. I think they thought, Oh, Hey, people like happily ever after. Cause they like seeing stuff projected on the castle. So let's just throw as many characters as possible on the castle because there's so much going on during that show. It's hard to follow. Like they want to talk about not a coherent story. Yeah. They, they threw so much on there and it, and it is this now more nebulous story of enchantment and that's like i know that's like a buzzword hey enchantment and (laughs) and magic and you are the magic but it's so much harder to kind of connect that where you know happily ever after was kind of like the hero's journey and having and and that you make your own happily ever after and that you kind of make your own destiny and they had sections of the show that kind of showed each attribute of the hero's journey of discovery and love and you know overcoming obstacles and then kind of perseverance and and that through line just works so much better and the characters that you know they would pick a movie and that one movie was on the castle for you know 20 30 seconds but it was it was all the lion king where it was all princess and the frog at that time and it was i mean for the most part it was it was a lot of that stuff until they started to transition into the next movie whereas with enchantment it was like oh over here's tiana and over there's hercules and over there and so and again i felt like they were like i, I don't want to be rude but 
the animations on the castle again didn't come across to me as super crisp they didn't look like the characters that i recognized well they happened so quickly i mean there there is just there's so much going on to your point you know in happily ever after they did kind of stick with one character they definitely had other characters on at the same time but it kind of fit in with the story Whereas it seemed like you know, on Enchantment, you know, they're playing Moana, but then Rai is up there randomly. And it just seemed like they're just trying to throw all of the new characters mm-hmm. up there just so people can be like, oh, that's somebody I like. I will say with Enchantment, the one thing I think they did improve on is they really integrated the fireworks to the movements of some of the projections. So, mm. you know, I think at one point Elsa's on the castle and she kind of throws her arms up and then to the side and fireworks shoot. It looks like they're shooting out of her hands. Um, you have Ian from Onward and he has the staff and he kind of pounds the staff and then it, you know, the, it shoots something up on the castle and then fireworks shoot out. So I think they integrated that well. I just think, yeah, there's, there's no real story and it just doesn't connect the same way Happily Ever After does. I think Happily Ever After was a better song. I actually went back and rewatched Happily Ever After afterwards because I said, hey, was I, was I thinking about it in kind of a better light? Like, was, was there really a lot of characters? Was there a lot more going on? Like Enchantment, maybe I just missed it. And I will say, watching it on YouTube, I got chills watching Happily Ever After on a YouTube video more so than I did <laughs> watching right. Enchantment in person. So I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know. I will say again, it was still better in person than it was, you know, seeing it on a video because that music and everything does hit a little bit better, but it still does not hit as well as happily ever after did. And you know, just a a little kind of disclaimer, we were close to the castle. I mean, we actually got like right right in front of of the castle. So, but we, because one of the improvements they made was to incorporate Main Street, we didn't really, we couldn't see that. So, and there's really not a lot going back on Main Street. That's the other thing too. I mean, I kind of look back you know, occasionally to see is something is anything on Main Street yet? And it was probably a third to halfway through the show before stuff even popped up on Main Street. And it's not really like it's anything you need to see. I mean, I, I again went and watched some YouTube videos afterwards just to see what Main Street looked like. And sure there's some stuff on there, but it's not like the concept art where they showed the castle turning gold and the magic spilling out into Main Street and everything gold. Not, none of that happens, you know, in the <laughs> show. Yeah, it, it really just does seem like a letdown that this is a show we got when Happily Ever After was so good and it was only a few years old. And I think the other thing would have would have been better is it's the 50th anniversary of Magic Kingdom. Nothing about this show screams the history of the Magic Kingdom. It's all just recent Disney characters. It should have been a celebration of the Magic Kingdom. The whole idea is you are the magic. You make the magic here. Well, it should have been a history of the Magic Kingdom. Throw Haunted Mansion on there. Throw Pirates of the Caribbean on there. People would have went nuts if you would have had the Hitchhiking Ghosts up there. Mm-hmm. If you would have had the Pirates of the Caribbean music and shown part of the, you know, some um, animations from the attraction. Bring that in. Bring the history and the magic of the park in, and then throw in some Disney characters and songs. That would have been such a much better show. Nothing about this makes it that it's for a 50th anniversary. Right. Again, it was missing that narrative through line, I thought. I mean, they tried at the beginning a little bit, and there were some throughout, but I just didn't think that it really connected or hit in the way that it was supposed to, and it would have been such an easy story, like Joe was saying, if they would have just brought up you know this is the history of our park and i think that that would have made it special and make people really want to come see it but yeah i i I was very underwhelmed neither enchantment nor harmonious are showstoppers in any way shape or form 
But I do think Harmonious is better than Enchantment. But let's move on to the most electric emotional joyride that <laughs> Disney has to offer today. And that is Kite Tales. Yep. So we went into Kite Tales. Um, <laughs> kind of like you go into a NASCAR. You know, you love watching it, but you're kind of also there a little bit for the wrecks. Like maybe there's <laughs> going to be an accident. You hope nobody gets hurt. But, you know, maybe there's going to be an accident throwing a little bit of excitement. So we went out to see Kite Tales. Maybe to see a kite stuck in a tree. I mean, let, let's be honest. But Kite Tales is incredible. We were like extremely blown away by it. The, there's two versions. There's a Lion King one and a Jungle Book one. The Lion King one is definitely yeah, the better definitely one. Yeah, definitely better. There's a lot more kites involved in that. It's more impressive. The The Simba, adult Simba kite is humongous and beautiful. Well, kind of beautiful. I mean, when the wind fills up his face like a certain way, he looks really weird, but we'll yeah, ignore that. But But it's great. I mean, it is literally just like all your problems go away. There's no care in the world when you're watching Kite Tales. It, re- it really is well done. I mean, I know, you know, there's been a lot of memes and people making fun of it. And again, you, you kind of go watching for it for maybe one of these kites are going to run into a tree or maybe they're going to crash into the water. But it's a really good show. And I think it is because it, it tells a story. You know, it tells the story really well through kites. And it, it's impressive. It's cool to see those kites fly around like that. Right. And I think that that's why also The Lion King is better than The Jungle Book one. Because The Jungle Book one really didn't tell the story of The Jungle Book. It was like the two hit songs from The Jungle Book. Whereas with The Lion King, you could actually see, you know, there was a young Simba kite. And then he... Oh, well, for lack of a better word, crashed or went away. And then the older Simba, Simba came out and you get this like feeling, oh, he grew up, he's maturing. And it has that, you know, if you're familiar, you have to be familiar with the story. And then they play that music when Simba ascends to the throne. So, you know, you know, you have that kind of context to help you understand that this is what's going on. What This is what this represents. So I thought it was a really fun. It was really fun. And then we went back when we went back the first time we saw it, we saw The Lion King. The second time we saw it, we saw the Jungle Book and we purposefully didn't sit in the main section, which is where they have the little side puppets. We sat over on the side right by where they crashed the kites. And let me tell you, it was delightful. Yeah, where they land the kites. So they crash down, but that's their landing. I mean, that's by design. So yeah, I, I was going to mention that. So there's there's basically two areas you can sit. If you want to sit and kind of have the best view of the show and have a view of the... Um, other cast members with just kind of the handheld kites and puppets and kind of be a part of the pre-show. You want to sit over by the Finding Nemo uh, stage show. That's where you kind of want to enter the theater. If you want to sit by where the kites land and you kind of want to see that as close up as you possibly can, you want to enter over by Exhibition Everest. But again, over there, you're kind of on the side and there's no other like cast members with like the handheld puppets or kites in front of you. You're kind of like on your own out there. You literally are there just to see them <laughs> landing and crashing next to you. Um, so, well, so that's just, that's just one thing to keep in mind. Like if, if you want to have the full show, you want to be by finding Nemo. If you want to see kites crashing close up, you want to be over by exhibition Everest. And, but it was so much fun being over where the, the kites crash because the one woman whose job it was to catch the kites, the blue, the bear one kind of seemed like it was actually going to come over into our section and she managed to snag it out of the air. It like completely engulfed her, like took her over. She was inside the kite and then she like comes out. We like cheer for her she, and then I, I like yelled over to her I feel like I owe you a life debt and then she laughed and then she's like I screamed but like it was just so fun it was fun to watch them work with the kites and how there are zippers on the kites so that they can let the air out of them 
I thought that was just so much fun being over there. It was definitely the surprise show. It's an extra show. So it's not like it's yeah, it's short. It doesn't take short, much yeah. time out of your day. The crowd, I mean, there was a decent number of people. They really seemed to get into it. I think the cast members on the jet skis and the people working the kites, they really genuinely seem to enjoy it and they want to put on a great show. And yeah. I feel like they're just happy to be there. And it and it really is it, it's cool to see those kites, but there is part of that just like you don't know what's going to happen. Like there's just a little bit of an electricity in the air because you don't know Every time they go to take off a new kite, is it going to take off? Is it going to fly correctly? You know, is this going to work? When they go to land, <laughs> when they go to land them, is it going to hit the landing zone? Because I think um, Adult Simba landed completely in the water. Oh, he missed yeah. the bleachers. They had to kind of pull him in because he was in the water. So it wasn't that bad of a landing. But like, you just never know what's going to happen. It's definitely a good show. If you're in Animal Kingdom, they play like five shows a day, like every hour. It's worth it, you know, seeing it just at least to go see it once. And I, I do see this as if it does well enough that they could add other stories right. again, they only have two now, but you could easily add like a finding Nemo or something, you know, you could add other tales to this um, to kind of keep it interesting and keep it original. I could see maybe even a Zootopia. Then they could do the uh, Shakira song. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, they could definitely do that. Yeah, so I, I think it, it it was it was a lot of fun. I very I enjoyed the show, and also I feel like I we walked by. Um, they were preparing, I think, for their new show or the next show, or they were reviewing what had happened. Like it was, I think, some of the jet ski drivers and potentially um, some of the kite operators, because there are actually people back there that control where the kites are going. And then the people that prepare the kites and they were all standing around talking and I yelled over to them, you know, love the show. Great job. And like, you know, they all waved back and I, it just, it was a fun experience. I, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Going into this weekend, I didn't think I would come out of it saying I recommend kite tails over enchantment, <laughs> but I do. I recommend kite tails over enchantment. I think harmonious is still better than Kite Tales just because it's a fireworks show and everything. I mean, Enchantment probably is a little bit better, but Kite Tales is great. I almost think Kite Tales, something like that, is what they should have at Epcot during the day. Yeah. Uh, around the lagoon. You could you could get some really great kites and you know jet skis going around there. Again, get rid of the barges. They could and, do and have kites during the like day and country have a decorated show. kites or something. Yeah, that you could do a cool. lot. Yeah, you could do a lot over there. It, it's it's great. It's definitely worth seeing. So all right, so that kind of covers all the new shows. I will say for merch, really didn't notice a lot of merch. I think a lot of it was sold out. I've seen on on Facebook and Instagram that it seems like more merch is there now. So I think it's just kind of difficult to get i will kind of say overall i don't really think they are selling the 50th anniversary that well there's not a ton of stuff in the parks that lets you know this is a big celebration i mean there's banners everywhere that say 50 on them but that's it like there's and no you have, you have the statues the brown brown you, statues. you do have the statues which are great which are really cute i wonder if disney's gonna sell those when they're done i could see them auctioning those off joe and i were trying to figure out which one we can afford like what was the one we ended up on we were like oh this one's Bruni, really the little yeah. like yep. foot Bruni one you might yep. be able to afford but that would be interesting <laughs> if disney sold those off but even that stuff i mean there's not a ton in there that like you know there's no and again they're not having parades but there's there's just not a lot of stuff to really make you aware that it's the 50th celebration that it's this huge anniversary and that was a little bit of a letdown for me i was kind of expecting more just in terms of decor and maybe that stuff's coming um as it goes on but yeah with the merch it was difficult to kind of find the 50th merch and again i think they're having trouble keeping it in stock because they even mentioned that somebody was like oh you have those ears and the cast member was like 
Yeah, we just can't keep them in stock. They were like, the they were the white ears that light up, and right. I, apparently they had been out of them for quite a while. So people were excited that they had them. Yeah, and so you know we went you know two weeks after October first that it started. So there may be some supply chain issues there, but so we really didn't get you know a ton of merch because there really wasn't um, a lot there at the time. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, I got I think two fiftieth anniversary merch things. I got a uh, like a zip up jacket. And it's blue and it says 50th and it has like iridescent on um, like the little pull strings are iridescent. I thought that was pretty cool. I, I enjoyed it. And then also the other thing that I managed to find, it was on Shop Disney. I sat on it. I waited for it. The bobble bar earrings that are um, Mickey and Minnie holding. And it looks like they're holding a, a uh, firework. They sold out online. And then when we went to the Epcot, the new Epcot store, which is awesome, by the way, loved that place but there's a whole jewelry section and they were in there so i did pick them up there yeah that's the creation shop over in epcot and that yeah that was a a good source huge in there that that was nice to see that right right yeah and we also got to see at the magic kingdom a couple cavalcades we got to see the princesses and then we also got to see kind of the original six plus chip and dale in their 50th anniversary outfits um, which was great so it was nice to see some of that stuff again i just i think i was expecting a little bit more um, in terms of decor and everything for the 50th. A couple just kind of other food items want to touch on before we wrap up. So we did get a chance to try Boma. We went there for mm. breakfast for the buffet. Um, I thought it was really good. I know a lot of people have recommended Boma to us. Yes. I thought it was a great place for breakfast. Look forward to trying uh, dinner there sometime. Right. Yeah. I enjoyed the uh, their guava juice. I mean, they they have that at other places too, but I enjoyed the guava juice. They also had pecan sauce that you can put on cinnamon rolls and that was delicious. I really enjoyed that. And also they had like delicious like oak grilled vegetables. So they had tomato and I ate a tomato, which was, I mean, you know, I eat it with other stuff, but I just straight ate a tomato and then asparagus. So I thought those were really delicious. It was enjoyable. I thought the people were nice that worked there. So yeah, I, I really yeah, enjoyed it. Was it was great. I, I was surprised by how much food offerings they had. I mean, they they definitely had a wide variety of food there. I mean, they had a lot of African-inspired food, but they also had a lot of like traditional food. So, you know, if you had kids that are maybe picky eaters or or something like that, I mean, there's something there for everyone. And there was a ton of options. Like you said, they had vegetables, they had ham, but they also had breakfast foods and desserts and everything. So that was great. We also got a chance to try Steakhouse 71. That's the new restaurant over at the Contemporary. I thought that was, it was decent. I don't know that it's necessarily it's kind of like space 220 i don't know that the food was great enough that it's something i have to try every time i know you got the vegetable wellington i'll let you talk about that in a second i had the steak frites um so it's like four strips of steak i I was expecting i think a little bit more there i I thought it was good it had good flavor Um, it was decent overall next time i definitely would like to go for dinner and try the filet we also had the sea salt brioche which i thought was really good Uh, and then so then you had the vegetable wellington Right. Well, just to comment real quick about those brioche. Um, you know, the brioche was good, but again, I think it was what twelve dollars or something crazy like that. Yeah, it was a lot for brioche, especially when you go to other steakhouses like La Cellier and you get bread for free. Yeah, so you get the it, yum yum rolls for free, <laughs> as I call them. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I definitely wouldn't I wouldn't order them again. They are basically just a potato roll. They were good, but twelve dollars for that is a lot. But I did have the vegetable Wellington. I thought it was delicious. It was one of the best things I had. In Disney, I thought, you know, it it, it was it was like a very elevated pizza pocket is the best way I can explain it. It's like the the crust was flaky. It was delicious. I thought, you know, it. I, I think that I was really expecting a, just a little bit more 
because of people raving about it, but I still thought it was really tasty and I would definitely go back and order that again because it was one of the best things I ate. All right, we also went to Disney Springs. Angela, you were blown away by the uh, Amphibicar over at the boathouse. You didn't believe <laughs> me that that was going to be real and actually go in the water, but it did. Um, but we stopped at Girardelli's and you got a Sunday there. I know you really liked it was right. the uh, Girardelli Mint Sunday, so you highly recommend that to people. Absolutely, and it had a really delicious fudge. We it was know, very good. I we, tried it. Yeah, it was and good. Joe was I like, "I don't want to try this. I don't like chocolate ice cream." And he tried it. He was like, "Oh, this is really good." And I'm like, "Yep, it is. It's amazing." But yeah, we had never actually eaten there before. But you know, a lot of times we'd go down there, and there'd be long lines before Gideon's opened up. At least and now, I feel like the whole line, like all the line, goes over to Gideon's, and there's a three hour wait because we tried to check it out. But yeah, it was really delicious. I would get it. It was a really hot day, so it was refreshing to have the mint chocolate. So I would definitely get that one again. Yeah, and pro tip, if you are shopping at Disney Springs at the World of Disney Store, or also I believe at the Creation Shop had this at Epcot, but you can actually check out on your phone. So if you have the My Disney Experience app, when you're in the store, you can scan your items on your phone and then it will add it to your cart, and then you can just hit a button, check out, and pay, and that way you can kind of skip the line, especially that World of Disney store. The lines get very long there, so it was nice. We did that. We did a little shopping. We just hit pay. You basically just walk out, and there's somebody that kind of just checks to make sure you paid before you leave. Um, it probably saved us like 20 minutes of waiting oh, line, yeah. so that's a pro tip. And then the final place um, we ate at that I want to give a shout-out to is Beaches and Cream. We, uh, we kind of got to sit at the chef's table, quote-unquote chef's table, we'll call it. We got to see them uh, up at the bar there and see them cooking, which was a cool experience. Well, it was cool because, you know, we had a really late dinner booked, and Joe and I had decided that we wanted to walk over early. I think we were a couple hours early and just see if they could take us because we didn't really want to eat that late at night. And they were able to cancel our re- reservation and give us those like counter seats as they called them. But I love any restaurant that allows you to sit and face the kitchen. So we got to see there's like a huge kibasi or something. I mean, it was like a foot long. It's not even on the menu, but the chefs were cooking that. We had our, my favorite waitress there, Courtney. We've had her a couple times. She's bubbly and wonderful. If anybody knows her, give her a shout out. She's great. She gave me 11 candy orange slices in my frozen sunshine. I said, could I have a few extra? And I got 11, which is absolutely (laughs) incredible. Yeah, the frozen sunshine was delicious. And also, I got a grilled cheese with tomato soup. And I was going back and forth about it. That tomato soup, I would have licked the bowl. It was so good. It was so good with the grilled cheese. I think that, you know, recently I've been going a little cold on Beaches and Cream, but renewed faith in Beaches and Cream after trying your frozen sunshine and having that delicious grilled cheese. Beaches and Cream does not disappoint. I love going there. It's a place we go pretty much every time we go down to Disney World. The frozen sunshine is incredible. I think I have you converted now 100%. that it is a great drink. Yeah, I think I'm done with No Way Jose. Even though it's good, I think I'm done with it. But I feel like I need to tell more people about this. So I definitely want to. I'm going to get behind. This is going to be like my dessert that I get behind that I tell everybody about. If you go to Disney, if you want to try one thing awesome, go to Beaches and Cream he's, and get the frozen sunshine. He's, he's a frozen sunshine evangelist. Yes. I, <laughs> this is this is great. Maybe I can get sponsored by, by uh, Beaches and Cream at some point oh and get a free frozen sunshine. You should run a race as a frozen sunshine. I should oh do that. Oh, my goodness. Idea. We need to start working on that costume. But definitely, frozen sunshines um, are great. It's a, a sherbet, whipped cream, seltzer drink. Um, it's absolutely delicious. And Joe it, doesn't like seltzer either. It's just, but yeah, it, it, it's, it goes so well yes, together. It's, it's very good. It's creamy. Uh, it, there's orange. It's delicious. The candied orange slices are great. Whipped cream. It's all around perfect. So uh, <laughs> definitely go to Beaches and Cream. It's a so quick, like me. It's a, 
it's a quick walk from from Epcot if you want to try it. So I highly recommend it. But yeah, so that was a lot. We we did a lot in three days. We got to basically try all of the new stuff we wanted to try: Space Two Twenty, see all the new fireworks shows, ride Remy, you know, try some of the new food offerings and everything there. So we we got through a lot. Now, again, we didn't maybe ride a ton of attractions because it was so crowded and we weren't really concerned with riding every ride. Right. You know, in all of the parks, we were more concerned about doing the new stuff and being very specific about what we wanted to do, which I think was good. So, again, I mean, overall, if you're somebody that wants to go down for the 50th, I don't think you need to rush out now and go. You still have you know over a year left as part of the celebration. Try but, to find the times when Disney is not as crowded. Right. And there's going to be new attractions coming out like Tron's still not open yet. Guardians of the Galaxy still not open yet. There's going to be more stuff happening within the next year that it may be better to wait. Because, it, it, again, it's not like there's something there now that you really have to rush out and see. And, again, yeah, try to find more of the off-season because the crowds definitely are picking back up. Like, I can only imagine, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas this year um, are going to be pretty crazy, uh, unlike last year whenever they were, you know, limiting capacity and it wasn't and, so bad. Yeah, my, my guess is during the week it's definitely a lot better. We were there, again, over the weekend. Friday seemed to be a little lighter than Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday were just thick with people if you have developed over quarantine like a, an aversion to being around a lot of people this is not going to be very comfortable for you because i definitely felt that yeah t- totally and and yeah i mean even on the buses and stuff i mean they're having people stand again they're kind of mm-hmm. they're filling them up as much as they can um so yeah kind of that whole you know distancing and everything um is definitely gone so do not expect that if you go down to disney now so but that wraps up the show i know that was a lot but there, there was a, a good amount of new stuff there and, and kind of wanted to share our experiences and our thoughts with everyone in case you're looking to plan a trip. Um, but I want to thank everybody again for listening this week. If you've not done so already, please consider subscribing, leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. We re- it really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for lending us your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.